Thank you for patiently waiting for the release of our second episode. We intended to get this out before the holidays, but unfortunately, due to a personal family emergency, we were unable to do so. To those of you who have kindly sent messages about the podcast, thank you so much for your support. All we ask is that you leave a review, so if you please uh, can, leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts, and we will greatly appreciate that. Uh, Before we begin, I'd like to say a word about today's episode. Last episode, I alluded to the idea that public discourse, in the way that we saw it play out in the 2016 campaign, didn't really necessarily hold tension very well. But let me clarify. I hadn't seen many spaces where people can both disagree and work together. As a team, we realized that before we dive into any discussions on issues, we need to talk about the way we talk. How, where, and why we frame a conversation matters. Civility, especially in discourse and in democracy, is a virtue that often gets misconstrued as weakness. It requires an eager ear just as it requires the ability to speak your mind. I can't think of anything more vital in our relationships than having the safety to exchange ideas and listen to one another. So, with no further delay, here is part one of our short series called Setting the Table. So, um, this is episode two to, I guess, start the conversation here. Why have the conversation in the first place? What role does civil discourse play in our democracy? I'll be honest. When I first heard the idea of like civil discourse, I, um, I didn't really know what that meant. I, I think I kind of understood on like an abstract level, but I didn't understand what it meant like for me in the day-to-day. So, I'll be honest, I looked it up online. And um, I loved the definition. It was super straightforward. It was um, engagement in conversation intended to enhance understanding. And I liked that a lot because it was like conversation with a purpose to understand something beyond what you already know. In order to have a democracy, you need to be able to hear a lot of voices and be able to reach a compromise. And that's not always easy. I mean, any relationship you ever have, you have to compromise. And I mean, some people will be unhappy, but at the end of the day, as long as, um, you know, people are treated justly, they can accept some, you know, inconvenience or discomfort. Um, and that's the, the idea behind democracy. So I really appreciated that definition. And I really feel like it's relevant when we just talk about what we're talking about here. You know, we're just trying to understand people's perspective and kind of take away people's uh, fear they have of others. For me, some of this kind of comes down to the importance of realizing what it would mean not to have these conversations, because in the end, if we can't have a civil conversation with someone who we disagree with, 
there's not a lot of hope for us moving forward as a country. And I mean, I think it's repeated almost to the point of being a little cliche over the past year and a half or so, <laughs> but like the, the, um, quotation, I believe, attributed to Lincoln that, you know, uh, a house divided against itself can't stand. I, I I feel like in my own mind, that kind of just goes around and around. And it's, um, it may be a little bit cliche, but it, it really is true. Like, if we are going to move and function as a, as a unit, as a country, as a family, really, um, of human beings, we have to be able to face tough things head on and tough things often involve, you know, disagreement or, you know, finding, like Jesse said, those compromises, things that maybe it's not, um, a hundred percent our favorite, but we have to be able to honor the other individuals in our lives, even if um, their choices might be different from what we would choose for ourselves. If we can find ways to um, embrace one another's differences and even celebrate them um, in ways that honor the humanity of each individual, I think for a lot of us, I, I feel like that's becoming more and more clear as the goal of our our efforts and working towards democracy again. And I think it's been a tough year, but in a lot of ways, I think it's been really, um, I don't know, a, a bit of a, a rallying call to a lot of us reminding us the importance of our voice in the democratic system and being someone who identifies as a part of a, a democracy, I feel like I personally kind of grew up just passively accepting, oh yeah, I live in a democracy and I get to vote and that means I have a voice and, you know, I get to have a choice in things, but it didn't ever really um, hit home quite as soundly as it has recently and realizing that that's something that can easily disappear and it's not something that um, I think, unfortunately, um, it's not something that just disappears because of, you know, some dictator crushing everybody's ability to um, have a voice, although that can happen. But I think the more insidious, like sneaky ways that that happens is that we all just passively kind of give up and stop believing that our voice matters. Um, but over the last year, I think a lot of a lot of people that I know have started to realize, hey, it's important for me to speak up because I do have something to contribute. And I think that is a statement that holds true on both sides of the political aisle. Um, but I think part of my desire is really making sure that um, some of the voices that are more easily passed over are also heard. Um, you briefly mentioned that, you know, there is a clear political divide within our country, but what happens when that divide runs straight through the heart of our families? How do we navigate, mm -hmm. uh, you know, this? Yeah, I guess one of the things that has been really helpful for me to try and keep in mind is, bringing myself 
back to the, the starting point or the um, intentionality of my conversation and trying to remind myself that it, when I go into these discussions or these debates, these conversations with um, especially family members who I love and I respect and who have given so much for me, but who I so deeply am challenged, um, like just don't understand and can't always agree with politically or religiously or, you know, on, on a lot of issues, I find myself not in alignment with their values anymore. That's, it's something where I have to kind of bring myself back to, okay, what's my intentionality in going into this discussion? Am I just trying to push them to agree with me? Am I making the, am I, am I just desperate to make them understand me? Is this coming from a place of me kind of selfishly needing them to affirm me and my new position in the, the better, wiser way? Or am I truly pursuing building a bridge of communication? Am I, am I coming to this in an open manner? Am I asking questions from a place of curiosity and wanting to also hear them and understand their pain and their struggles or their challenges? Am I willing to hear their stories of loss and how that has framed their experiences? There's a lot of validity to stories on both sides of a lot of the partisan arguments, whether it's race or religion or politics, you know, both sides have pretty deep seated stories of loss or fear of loss, whether it's just perceived or very uh, tangible lived experiences. People typically don't just <laughs> pick a hard line for absolutely no reason and battle their family for it. We all have reasons why we're coming from the perspective we are, which is right, right. very difficult position to maintain. I think a lot of us in this country recognize that's the high challenge that is, is called for in these times. So we just have to keep practicing. <laughs> uh, Jesse, what about you? Um, I think this is a great question um, because it is just so difficult. I will I feel like in my personal experience with my family, we honestly don't talk about politics. Um, I do remember like standing in line while my dad was voting for whatever it was. We were waiting and waiting. So I remember civic engagement, but he never went home and then talked about the person he was voting for. That he voted, you know, with that action. So it almost felt like it was a more private thing. Um, and I kind of appreciated that because then when I went out into the world, you just had these very explosive interactions between people. And I was kind of like, wow, politics can really make people so angry. I don't really want to be involved with something like that. And, um, you know, then I, I realized, like, me saying I don't want to get involved with politics is a privilege. So, you know, you get to this place where you realize um, you need to you need to get involved. This is your civic um, privilege and, and being ignorant about things is, is not the right choice. In my opinion, um, you need to vote because it's something that someone else fought for your right to do. And, and it's important. That's honestly what I, how I believe. And it's difficult to get involved. I definitely understand that, but I do believe it's important to go through that action. Um, in terms of discussing it with other people, I do feel like one of the things I've learned um, is that they, you cannot change people's mind through facts. It's really 
your real life experiences of people who transcend your expectations. Um, I really feel like that speaks to my experience when talking about anything difficult, politics or religion, um, or anything that, that can really drive people to to be very um, passionate, but like in a loud, yelling, name-calling kind of passion. And um, I feel like when people start talking about their experiences, um, the other person has to listen to that and understand that this person is showing something quite personal um, that is making them this passionate. And it's, it's the moment there is to be witness to that person's passion and to let them know that you hear them and you understand or you're trying or you, you seek to understand their perspective without saying, you know, well, I dispute your opinion, you know, because then they might feel discredited. They might feel like you're dis, you know, you're not um, uh, valuing what they've, what they're, what they're sharing. Um, and at the end of the day, I feel like, you know, as someone who loves to learn and has used facts to try and convince others on certain things, um, you do get to that place where you can see the person digging in and saying, well, I don't believe you, or I just don't agree. And you're like, well, how can you not agree? I presented you with my facts and I've done it. You know, I've, I've spoken so eloquently and how could you not agree with what I'm saying to you? And you really have to take that step back and understand that there's more going on there. And at the end of the day, if you really want to affect change, it comes through a relationship and without the desire or intention to change. You know, you can't, you know, be in a relationship with someone and expect them to change. You need to love them for who they are, how they are, and just with the, the faith that through this experience, perhaps that person might change their expectations and, and their reality of, of how they see people around them. So for me, I'm going to be honest, I do not have as much experience talking with loved ones about politics. It's just not a thing that really happens with my family. Um, but I have witnessed and tried to be part of conversations, and it can become so explosive that for me, I really do feel like it, it comes down to trying to understand people at a relationship level. Um, and that's, that's something that I really um, thought was quite powerful. The reality is that when I enter into these kind of conversations, I am taking a risk to be vulnerable. It's not only an exchange of ideas, but it's an exchange of personal beliefs. Understanding that civil discourse is actually also an act of vulnerability for some helps me understand that I need to improve the the approach that I'm taking in certain conversations that I'm having. Uh, that that means I have to be mindful of tone. I have to be be mindful of the ways in which um, I'm trying to steer the conversation. As you both eloquently stated, there has to be an examination of my own conscience and intention. Uh, and especially in these kind of discourses, uh, is my goal simply just to prove the other person wrong? Or is my goal something deeper and richer uh, that will not violate that relationship I already have with that person? 
Uh, it's a little harder, though, when it's that specific person, right, that you fundamentally disagree with. Oh, yeah, it's definitely hard. I, I feel like you have an experience there. Uh, would you like to share with the class, Rachel? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I think I've shared a little bit in our first episode about, uh, you know, coming to pretty uh, fundamentally – different perspectives with my parents on a, a couple of different issues, not um, the least of which being our current political situation. But, you know, like it's, it's super important to me in those times, uh, you know, I can get into the heat of a debate about why Trump is a horrible human or <laughs> why this or why that. And I think I start, I can catch myself realizing how um, how almost self-inflated I can feel and being like, I know the truth, I'm going to educate you. And I, you know, yes, I have very um, specific reasons why I disagree with Trump, um, why I feel like he's an ill-equipped leader, why I feel like he's risking the safety and security of America and I care deeply about this country. I, I live here. I know lots of people who live here. And even if I didn't, it's still, I wouldn't want anyone to be put in the situations politically that I feel Trump is is subjecting our country to. Um, but I think, you know, sometimes I'll find myself in the midst of an hour or two hour long debate or conversation, pushing points and, and listing facts and, you know, calling off offenses. And, and then I realize, you know, I've, I've gotten into a position where it's become, again, like I kind of mentioned before, it becomes about me proving that I'm right. And that, um, you know, if you could just see reason, you would understand how right I am. <laughs> um, and it's in those moments where I think I still kind of battle with, even in saying this now, a sense of like, God, like I don't want to ever become that that pompous person who's like, well, I'm here with my liberal friends having a conversation about how to be better humans than all of our Republican conservatives' parents or friends. You know, I, I, I mean, that's, certainly not the intention, but I think we do have to guard ourselves, um, in our, in our intentions and in our, in our goals and our aims at having these conversations with them. And if we're going into this conversation openly, we have to remember that maybe their position has evolved just as our position continues to evolve. Let's say they bring up a, a very controversial topic. Is it the right time to engage? Jesse, what are your thoughts? I mean, this is this is a great question. Um, because I know that last year a lot of people were so uncomfortable after the election going to Thanksgiving. I know a lot of people who said, We're doing a Friendsgiving this year. They just didn't go home. Um, because it was just too sore, you know, it was just was too recent you know and it's been a year and it's been a year of, of a lot of things going on that can make people very very um, passionate and um, 
with good reason. It's a good good thing to be passionate, but it does feel like it ends up being directed in such a aggressive and confrontational way. Um, the question is, should we be having this conversation? Um, if you're going to be with family and you know that your family has a different conversation, you know, a different opinion from you, um, well, I'll just let you know what I'll be doing. Um, I'll be doing Thanksgiving. No, but really, if I was had the opportunity to go home, um, I would just try and keep the conversation about my memories with them because I don't get to see them all the time. You know, if you're in a position where you get to see your family often, perhaps it is an opportunity to discuss certain things. But if you're seeing them, if you're flying out or driving a long ways to see them, um, there's enough family drama <laughs> if your family is anything like mine. And it's it's really, you know, it's more, to me, it's, it's, I don't have a lot of time with my family. I want to make sure that it's not a feeling of strife and negativity. You know, I want it to be about something that, that we, you know, that we're able to, to bond over and to, to have fond memories about. Um, if you're someone who lives close to your family and you know that one of your relatives is going to bring it up just to spite you and get a reaction out of you, <laughs> have some relatives like that too um you know I really feel like being able to be prepared to kind of dyslex that and reprioritize it this is family time um let's go outside and have a conversation if you really want to discuss this but just kind of like to prep yourself um but at the end of the day if you're with family um it, it, it for me it's a different conversation if I'm with other people that I'm not you know I haven't met I'm meeting other friends you know, or friends of friends, like perhaps they will discuss, you know, political views. I want to expand my perspective, but um, it's been a year. So I'm further removed from that instant emotional reaction that I had after the election. Um, so really, that's a, that's tough. I think everyone has to make their own call and understand where they're at emotionally. There's still a huge trigger for you. Um I don't know. I, 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 I'm putting myself in that position. I really don't think I would go there because I would just stand up and yell and get red faced and speak very fast. <laughs> and I just don't know how that would end up being a favorite Thanksgiving memory. Um, you know, I really want to focus on creating good memories for the future and, you know, something to take back with you when you go back to wherever you're living at that point. But that's my opinion. That's, that's where I stand on it. Rachel? I, I think for me, it it definitely would come down to whether or not I feel like I'm in the kind of space that I could actually frame the questions in an open sort of way instead of, um, I don't know, like I kind of referenced before, instead of coming at it from trying to either like give myself a pat on the back that like I'm more correct than you or I need you to see my perspective in order for me to feel okay this holiday season, <laughs> like... Um, cause sometimes uh, to be honest, I check myself and I realize mm -mm, this is not a healthy time to have this conversation. And like, I mean, to be honest, I, sometimes it'll come up and I will say as much, I can't have this conversation right now. I love you guys. I care about this topic a lot. You know, I do. I can't have this conversation right now. We need to change the topic. And so, I mean, sometimes that, that is the most healthy thing you can do in your family um, or with, you know, a coworker, whomever you've had that, you know, encounter with, 
I mean, I think if you're if you're feeling comfortable and and strong um, in a space where you feel like you can really um, have an open conversation and be ready to listen as well, um, maybe hear things that you would recoil at or um, even feel hurt by, um, but to hear them um, from the position of knowing that the person across from you is someone that is a valuable part of America, of, of what this country represents. You know, we, we often go into those discussions or fights, <laughs> dare I say, um, you know, trying to gird ourselves and come across as the most strong, the most prepared. I have all the arguments. I have, you know, <laughs> references. I have articles to to cite and to prove that I am the most correct and the most right on this issue. And, uh, you know, when we go into it from that approach, uh, typically, you know, think about it. When someone comes at you in that way, your reaction is to double down, to to whip out all of your articles or to, you know, respond in kind and to push back. Um, if we can just share something um, that opens us up, that makes us soft, that shows our family like, hey, this isn't just about me trying to one up you or, you know, crush your opinion, but it's about something real. I do think that there is a place for debate. Uh, so as we're talking about the importance of civil conversations in a democracy, I also do think debate is important and vital for democracy. And for me, in terms of having conversations about issues that matter, uh, the thing that for, for me I keep in mind is it's really about how I approach this conversation. In, in my family, we we are actually open to debating, even during the holidays, mainly because we enjoy debating. We actually enjoy uh, talking about complex issues. Uh, so when it pertains to topics about politics more specifically, we typically are able to engage those topics, debate, but then at, r shortly after, share a meal together and carry on throughout our day as if nothing happened, you know. But then there are those specific topics that I don't know if my family can uh, talk about, right? And so the thing for me uh, that I can maybe suggest to our audience when they're trying to consider how to, to navigate uh, these kind of conversations, the thing I'll suggest is that you know your family, you know your friends better than we do. You know when it would be right and appropriate uh, to raise questions. Uh, you know when it will be justifiable to challenge certain statements and uh, things that people are saying to you that you vehemently disagree with. Uh, you know when it's right to debate. And it's much easier for me to bear the disagreements I have with my family because they're family, but it's a lot harder for me to bear those disagreements if it's not someone that's a part of my family. And I've been like 
thinking through how do I bond with people I disagree with? And the only thing I could come up with is you're a human being. I'm a human being. You have dreams. You have aspirations. You have hopes. You have thoughts. You have experiences. I want to get to know that um, more than anything else, more than the facts, more than the reasons you disagree with me. I want to get to know you specifically. And I think that's a more worthwhile uh, venture than trying to debate that person uh, or trying to get them to submit to your position. Um, no, I really feel like you guys have, have really captured the, the nuance that goes on to this kind of um, encounter, you know, not getting pulled or sucked into like, you know, a conversation that's going to, um, you know, while it might be a necessary conversation, you know, there's a time and place. So I really feel like it really is going to be up to you and what, what you can, can do in that emotional, you know, space that you're in when, when you're with family wanting to spend time with them. Um, but if you hear something that's inappropriate, like a racist comment or a sexist comment, you know, it is a situation where that might be the opportunity is thrust upon you. And, you know, you do need to speak out. I mean, even if it's hard, I know that I'm really just preaching to myself there, you know, hearing something inappropriate. I can't just walk, get up and walk away. I really have to step in as the guy, you know, or like uncle, <laughs> you know, that let's not, not here, not now, not ever. And, um, if that, you know, degenerates into a more serious conversation, um, then I guess that's, that's kind of where it needed to go. But if, um, if you can't just be, be quiet in those situations, I really, I really believe that that's not the appropriate response. So I feel like that's the only exception when I was listening to you guys that, that I would think of that any other time, I think it's definitely your choice to decide whether you want to engage. Um, but yeah, it's a tough time. Like it is a tough time to put your heart out there and to be vulnerable and to, you know, some family members will just mock you and, and call you soft or call you, you know, overly sensitive. And that's tough, you know? Um, so it's a tough place to be in, but you know, if you're listening to this podcast, then you're, you're struggling with, with opportunities and, you know, ways to, take advantage of opportunities that present themselves to you. So I just encourage you to read the, you know, the situation as well as you can and to keep the, um, the point of the conversation you're having in the forefront of your mind. You want that person to know that you care about what they think, um, even though sometimes what they're feeling may not be based on facts. And that's something that you can discuss with them, but, just because someone feels something um, doesn't mean that you can say, well, you have no reason to feel that way. You know, ultimately they feel that way, you know, and it's, it's good to just confirm that and then be able to, to see where you go from that. So it's touch and go. Um, but I, I encourage all of you to do what you can and, and to do what you feel is appropriate. Um, that's really all I can really say. <laughs> Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our broadcast, please visit undividedpodcast.com. We appreciate your reviews. Don't forget to leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll be back in a few weeks with part two of our short series, Setting the Table. See you soon.